The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This is James Loving, your host for Loving That Sports Talk, and always I'm the best buddy co-host with me. In, in San Diego, it's only 65 today, not 70. Maybe that's that's what's messing up the signal. That weather ain't that good. <laughs> no, the, 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 I'm I'm a, I'm a agree with you. Well, I was talking about all the college bowl games there was. You yeah. know, I told them Oklahoma beat Purdue, Georgia beat Nebraska, FSU beat NIU. You know, I was just I was um, talking about you know Wisconsin beat. Um, I mean Stanford beat Wisconsin. It's crazy how when we played, Glove. You know, you had to have a good record getting a bowl game. You know, now teams are getting in at five and six and six and six. You know, they're just just coming up with all these different kind of bowl games. It's not interesting anymore, is it? No, I mean, it's, it seems like, you know, like you said, back in the good old days, there was like limited bowl games. So you had to have a winning record. Now, you look up, it's the Sunkiss Tuna Bowl, the Chick-fil-A Bowl, the McDonald's McRib Bowl. They got all these different bowl games now. So, and like you said, you can have a, a 500 record and you'll get in the bowl game now. It's not like you won your conference or won the championship, you know, for your division. It's just automatically if you travel well, you're in a bowl game. Yeah, and, and it's weird, too, like you said, you know, it's like names that – you even heard of like okay yeah I used to have a uh, McRib style you know they're making up these names but if you look at the law they making money off these game gloves is that what it's all about yeah yeah I mean the sad part about it is it's all about money that's the sad part it's, it's about money and like and, and you know if you look look at the teams that are going to ball games not 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 taking nothing from the team but you know there's teams in certain conferences that they can have a 500 record. And because they travel well and they have a name, they'll bring them in a bowl game because they know they're going to sell tickets. You know, think about all those Midwest teams and teams that way. You know, when those in those places where, you know, the weather's conditions get rainy, you know, snowy and things like that, you know, they'll travel them out west, Arizona, California, you know, places like that, to sunny conditions, and they'll travel and they'll sell tickets, you know, and they'll make, you know, Make a, a vacation of it, so it's just it's just like college football is going downhill now. Yeah, you said a good point there. I wanted to say, you know, you said teams that travel well—that's the one they're doing in bowl game. I mean, you see a team like um, Nebraska, you know, you know how they travel. You know, they bring everybody. You know, and they they'll have that record, but they'll throw them in a the bowl game and they'll bring sixty, seventy thousand, right? And, and they look yeah. at like, hey, that's money for us. Am I regular? You're right. Well, think think in terms of when Notre Dame was just 500. Mm-hmm. You know, when they were just 500, they were still, you know, being, you know, they were still able to get in bowl games. Why? Because they're Notre Dame. Why? They're going to travel. They're going to sell tickets, you know. And so that kind of was like the demise or whatever of college football because you don't really have to win and you're still guaranteed a bowl game. We, we don't we don't talk college much, but it's good to talk because I just understand like people say, why you don't watch college football? I said because it's the same games. Am I right, Glove? On TV, they put like you said, Notre Dame on that four. I mean, won a game, you know, but they always go on prime time TV, you know, because like you say, they they have all these people fans. Everybody, oh, I want to see Notre Dame. But what about the, all the other teams? I mean, you know, that's 
five and zero and not get on TV prime time because nobody want to see a, a NIU or you know what I'm saying. Well, what was the what was the game that was on last night? Um, where the two college teams were playing and they had the one team from the MAC conference, you and know, Nevada, and, and people were complaining because they were like, "How are they in a BCS?" You know, in the BCS game, they played, I think, either Florida or Florida State or somebody. And, you know, everybody was making a big stink because they were from a smaller conference. You know, it's like now teams are jumping conferences or teams are trying to position themselves to to go into a division or a conference where they'll possibly be able to play for a BCS game, which is not going to happen because of student size and things like that. You know, there's always going to be the Alabamas and the, the LSU's and the Notre Dame's and the Oregon's; those are the teams that are always going to be there. You know, these well, small, these smaller schools don't have a chance. You're right. Don't they got something called a um, a strip rating? Is where um, say like you know like say in the MAC, you can go undefeated, but if you ain't never played no um, top twenty five team, it don't matter. They gonna get you in. That's how they do it, right? Or you only play like the Division two schools, so we picture you not. You know what I'm saying? You're not strong enough to play in a BCS poll. That's you're how right. you do it, I think. You're right. It's, it's, you're, you're right. They have, a, they have a rating system, you know, and just because you're in the SEC or whatever, you know, those those, those higher quote-unquote conferences, you get so many points. And so if you're in a smaller conference, you know, and you don't play, you know, any of those bigger schools, you're not going to get the points to qualify for, for BCS, you know, ranking. So how do you ever, you know, get up there, you know, in the BCS polls or standings if, one, they're not trying to get games with you because that lowers their points. You know, it's no point in, like, an Alabama playing uh, Utah State or um, New Mexico, you know, because they're not going to get the points. Yeah, they can score 80 points, but then when the computer comes into play, it's going to lower their ranking because that school wasn't, you know, in the same point category for the same. But, but don't those schools um, get a game like that? I always see, you know, Nebraska come in and play Wyoming. They know they got to walk all over them. But they pick those games, and they pay them like 300 thousand just to play them. They get Wyoming 300 thousand to play Nebraska. Why do they do that, Glove? Just to get the win? I mean, they know they're going to get the win, but... Well, well, think about it. You know, at the beginning of the season, you try to schedule a, a non-conference or non-division game early to kind of gauge your team. So you'll you'll kind of you know you're trying to build confidence. So you'll if you're in Nebraska or if you're one of those powerhouse teams, you'll you'll play a smaller conference team just to kind of gauge you know to tweak your offense to get your defense going. You know, because you're trying to you know build confidence. You want to build. Bills for when it gets conference time, you want your stuff to be, you know, going. You want it to be rolling. So, yes, you'll pay somebody two, three hundred thousand, a half a million dollars, you know, seven hundred thousand, you know, to come in there and beat on them. Uh, at schools like that, like, okay, we'll take the money so you can beat on them. But they're looking at it like, oh, we playing a um, number ranked team. But I think that's a great to school, you know. You let somebody come in there and walk over you like. 58 points, you know, score nine. That takes the confidence out of your players. You know, I think it would. Do you agree? Well, it it, it, it can build self-esteem or, or, like you say, it could ruin your program. I mean, but think about it. When you're at a smaller school and you play a powerhouse, there's kids on that smaller team that felt like they should have went to Alabama or they should have went to Nebraska or they should have went to a Notre Dame. So now this is their chance to showcase their talent or ability saying, look, at you might have overlooked me, but look at what I did to you guys. So it, it could be one of those double-headed swords. It could either hurt kids or it could either build their confidence. You know, we talked about that thing we had, Glove. And uh, what was it, one? One more time? We went, we went 10 and one you know, and I looked back and I said, we could have played with one of those schools, but don't 
I hear double talking again, but yeah, I mean, you could you could have a good record, and you know there are guys on on, on from D two to D three schools. You know, there, there's guys on lower on lower or smaller schools that could have played at big schools. I mean, think about guys that we played with. You know, there were some guys that we played with that could have played at bigger schools, but they just chose Wyoming because you know what I'm saying. But, Yeah, and that's the thing with, you know, you, these schools feel, well, you can't play in the SEC or, you know, like this, you're right, there are players that say, hey, we could, I still have played there, you know. But, you know, they do some really, they do some good recruiting down there, don't they? Yeah, I mean, you know, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying I'm all that or I was any of that, but I went to, I went to Wyoming because of the guys. When I went on my recruiting trip to Arizona State, I went to a, di- a few different schools, you know, but I went, came to Wyoming and played because my opportunity and my chance. When I went to Arizona State, they had the number one defense in the country back in 81. Mm-hmm. And the three guys they brought in with me were all 6'5", and 6'6", and 6'7". You know, and they had the returners were, you know, juniors. I mean, I don't mind, you know, a challenge and a fight to start, but let's be realistic. Do I want to, ch- do I want to fight that hard? Or do I want to work that hard to, you know, try to, overcome six guys, you know, to play. Whereas I can go to Wyoming and there's only one guy in front of me. So, you know, that's a simple, you know, that's a simple math equation. You want to go where your chances are greater earlier as opposed to later. Are you right? And people are asking that, like, why you chose Wyoming? Until one, you know, I had other schools that want me, but I said, why do I want to go to a USC? They got six receivers. I'll be number seven to my high seven guy. Just to say, I went to USC. You know what I'm saying? That'd be a crazy choice to make. And then you know they said, "Well, you know, you could have went and played there and, and try and beat off somebody." Well, like you say, if you got a junior or a senior in front of you, that's gonna be hard to pull. You know, those guys down when they've been set there for two or three years. So, you know, it's the choices you gotta make where you're gonna play, and like you say, and the guys that you're around. So that is a good choice, all right? Yeah, for me it was for me like I said when when I when I went to you know I went to uh, Wichita State I went to I mean I can name the places I went on trips to you know Kansas different places and like I said the one thing that I liked about you know the guys at Wyoming was the cohesiveness it was like all the guys were close to each other be it black players be it white players all the players were cool at that time we didn't have no you know Mexican players and no Asian players all we had was black and white and so. And this was early 80s, and like I said, everybody was cool. It was like you talked to one guy, he told you, you know, what was going on. You talked to another guy, he told you, well, hey, man, you got a chance to start if you come here. As opposed to when I went to bigger schools, you know, it, was, it wasn't it was even, you know, like, oh, no, nah, man, there's no way you're going to beat out so-and-so. You know, he's a dude. He's only a junior. Or there's no way, you know, they got a freshman red shirt that's, you know, supposed to be better than the guy that's playing, so. You know, you just make it easy. But, you know, the funniest one was I went to UNLV, and I think I told you this story before. I went to UNLV, and I'm only saying this because if there's kids out there listening that are going to college or want to go to college, education is most important. Go to an institution that's about kids graduating. And that's the other reason I went to Wyoming because they were about graduating athletes. And like I said, this was the early 80s, but I went to UNLV. And... It was a party the whole weekend, a suite at one of the casinos, party, 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 party. Not one time that they talk about academics. Here it is years later. We'll go 10, 20 years later. I couldn't even tell you what UNLV's campus was because they never took me. <laughs> so in my mind, I didn't even know that, you know, UNLV had a, had a campus because I never seen it. Didn't see the football stadium, didn't see the campus. Now, years later, my niece, she went to school there and graduated, and I finally was able, you know, 15 years later, to see UNLV's campus. 15 years later. So I'm telling the story, you know, because if there's some young guys out there, if they don't talk academics to you on your recruiting trip, stay away from them. Well, what we're going to do, we're going to take a break. I want to come back. Uh, like I said, before you went off on the air, I want to talk about all these coaches that got fired. It's going to be a good conversation. So this is Jay Glover and Eric Glove. We'll be right back.
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. Well, this is James Loving. Love, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here, love. 65, baby. Yeah, and well, we got Terry, TJ, to join us. You know, T? I'm here, love. How's everybody? Uh, glad you made it. You know, we know you're working and all that, but like I said, we all appreciate you here, boy. Right on. <laughs> well, guys, we want to talk about, you know, I know there was, uh, we talked about last week and we said this was going to happen, but there was a lot of surprises that I didn't see coming with a couple of fire NFL coaches. I mean, you had the Bills fire their coach, Kansas fire theirs. We know the Eagles. The Browns, Arizona, San Diego, and the Bears. I mean, what team are that? Are you guys surprised that they fired their coach? Well, I was kind of surprised of uh, Lovey. I, I didn't think they'd get rid of him. I thought that, you know, Lovey did a pretty decent job and, and, and was doing a good job. And he, you know, he was bringing the team along. But that was kind of my surprise. Well, you know what? I was surprised at first for Lovey. But then when you look at it, he's been there, what, nine, eight, nine years. They've only been to the playoffs three times, one Super Bowl. Hey, it's just a, it's like him and Andy Reid. It's, it's time for him to, to make a change. Time to go. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the Bears. I know you said, Glove, that um, the coaches, Love, you don't have that, you know, instinct with the players to go rah-rah. And Terry, you said, you know, but I listened to the um, interview that the general manager made about Lovey. And kind of what Glove was saying, you know, that, you know, they was trying to make, like, he didn't have that core with the players, and he didn't know how to work with the players he had to win with. How you put somebody on the field that, you know, you know, Terry, we talk about we can't block, keep the quarterback, you know, from getting sacked, and you try and win with that. You can't do it. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, you, you've got to make, you know, you you got to make good decisions. Uh, you got to know your personnel, which I'm assuming they do. Um but you look at all of these teams that are struggling to to, to protect the quarterback. And, and not saying that that's an easy task, but, you know, it, it starts right there. It starts in the trenches, in, in, in the offensive and defensive line. And you have to be able to protect the quarterback in order for your offense to move. Um, so you you, you got to have your personnel. you got to have good personnel there, and, and apparently he didn't have it. But there's numerous teams that are having troubles protecting their quarterbacks. 
Uh, and they're one of them. You got Pittsburgh, you got Dallas, you got, you know, I mean, all of these teams where these, these quarterbacks are sacked. Uh, Green Bay was having issues with it for a while, the Saints. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know that that's necessarily a, you know, uh, a, a trigger for everything. I, I don't know that, you know, that's what got Lovey fired, but, um, I thought he was doing well. I thought he was bringing these guys along. I think he just needed, you know, a couple of more players and, uh, on offense and, and possibly on defense. And then they would have been, you know, because you got to realize they're lacking than guys are getting older. Um, their defense is slower. It's not as good as it used to be. So. Well, you think Levy got fired because of what you said that he ain't had that rah rah and and uh, and they looked at it and I've seen another thing they said because he missed the playoff. You think that was it? Well, you're right. You're, well, that's the last the last thing you said is is right. I think if their record could have been worse because they were one ten games or something like that, they could have had whatever seven whatever eight and whatever and made the playoffs. I think he would have kept his job, but because of his accountability. You can't you can't account for a quarterback getting hurt or lineman getting injured or, you know, defensive players getting injured. You can't account for that. You know, but you can account for, you know, getting them prepared, getting them ready to play. You know, and the one thing that, you know, people don't look at is in the NFL, most of your minority coaches come from the defensive side of the ball as opposed to the offense. And that's what people don't realize. Most of your guys that are head coaches that are that are African Americans, as they say, are all ex defensive players. And then if you always notice their offenses, you know, they'll build their defense first and then, you know, kind of put puzzle pieces together on the offensive side of the ball on the offensive side of the ball. And so in Chicago, that was always Chicago's, you know, the thing that kept them from getting over the hump was their offense was always lacking. They always had a good defense, but think mm-hmm. about it. You know who's been there down down the field receiver? Yeah, they had Forte to rush for a thousand yards, and then they just bought in Brandon Marshall. But who's been the guys on offense? You know what I'm saying? That's been dependable. You know, Cutler gets hurt, goes out. Campbell comes in. You know, he plays minimal. Then Cutler comes back. And they go on a three-game losing skid. So it's like the defense have always played well, but the offense have always been like the second a, a step back in my eyes. You know, well, I, I want to uh, go ahead, Terry. I, I was just going to say I agree with that. I think you hit it on the head right there. Yeah, I want to uh, I want to hit all these coaches and these teams so we're going to get to. But I want to jump to one of the three. And I kind of want to throw this question at you, Terry. Then I want you to finish it, Glove, because I don't kind of know San Diego, and you've been out there, so you kind of follow them, Glove. But this is my question to you guys. I, I sat back and I, I read a thing on it. Um, Jason Garrett was told that um, they were going to bring in, maybe you heard this, Terry, Glove, Norm Turner to be the offensive coordinator, and Garrett said he didn't want that. So my thing is, when it goes back to you, Glove, is, why would you bring, you know, somebody that's getting fired from a head coach, you know, trying to he can't run there off of San Diego, then bring him to Dallas? I kind of see um, Garrett point, but what do Garrett have to talk when he ain't doing nothing over there? So go ahead, Terry. Well, first of all, I, I didn't hear that, uh, so I don't, I don't know anything about that. But we have to realize that these guys, these head coaches, don't. that doesn't mean that they're not good coaches. Uh, they just can't manage and run a team. Um, because your head coach doesn't do as much as your offense coordinator, your defense coordinator, you know what I mean? Uh, he's more of a manager. So that doesn't mean that these guys aren't good coaches. Good teachers can, 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 you know, advise you on talent and, and, and stuff like that. So I can understand because all of these guys that, that are getting fired are going to probably have jobs somewhere. Well, what you think? Well, you know what, to add on to what Terry, what Terry's saying, some of it is true. You got to think of it. The head coach is a manager. He's the manager of the business, and so you try to bring in people underneath you to manage your 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 integral parts, your offensive, you know, your line, your tight ends, your running backs, you know, your defense, you know, your D line, your DBs, your linebackers. Now, when you're talking about North Turner. 
remember, when Dallas won the Super Bowl, North Turner was there. He was the OC. He was the offensive coordinator, you know, when Jimmy Johnson then was there. So what Jimmy Jones, what, what Jerry Jones is saying is that he remembers back when he first got the team and was winning who his offensive coordinator was. Now, as a head coach, you're not managing the play calling as much because now you got all these different hats you have to wear. So you, it take away from some of your leadership ability and play calling ability when you have the hat on. So maybe if he focuses his attention, going back to an offensive coordinator, maybe he'll do better than he did as a head coach. And so that's why I think Jerry Jones made the comedy made because Jason Garrett can probably manage the team well, and he probably did well play calling. But now because he's the head coach, he's not doing as good of a job as he did as offensive coordinator. So maybe Jerry just trying to get him some help. Well, if you want my opinion, I don't think he did a very good job as offensive coordinator. <laughs> well, see, I was waiting for you to say that. Uh, you didn't. Uh, and I don't. We talked about that, love. Uh, we right. talked about that before. I, I, I have not been impressed with Jason Garrett as an offensive coordinator, and a lot of it probably had to do with situations that had happened and, and, and trust issues in the red zone uh, last year. If you remember that, how Tony Romo turned the football over as many times as he did, and, and then the slow development plays um, that the Cowboys were running. I, I, I just wasn't impressed. Well, I kind of brought that up because it was kind of funny how, you know, and we talk about that, Glove. What is Jerry Jones going to run it? You know, but, you know, and I, did you hear about that, though, Glove, that Jerry no, said he wanted to No, I did. I, I, heard, I heard that, you know, Jerry Jones was talking to North Turner about coming back as an OC, but you got to remember, in, in, in the Cowboys days when Jerry Jones first bought the team, North Turner was there. You know, he ran... See, see, Jerry Jones is a victim of his own arrogance. He he looked at Jimmy Jimmy Johnson build the organization back up. Then he seen Barry Switzer come in and win. So once those two guys left, you guys got to remember, he brought in what Wade Phillips and somebody else after that, and then he was grooming Jason Garrett because he was never a player. He was always a clipboard guy. Mm-hmm. You know, so once so once he thought Jason Garrett was ready. He pushed people out the way and brought Jason Garrett in. And so now he's looking at, you know, his molded, sculptured, you know, coach, and it's not working out. But he don't realize it's not Jason Garrett. It's him that's not working out. He needs to be an owner and sit in the box. <laughs> you said the key. Well, let's go and knock out some of these here. We already, I mean, we can hit on this real quick, but San Diego, uh, you know, North should have been fired a few years ago, but, he went on that winning streak every time that sixth game at the end of the season that kept his job. And like you say, some of these coaches, if they would have done that, at least get to the playoffs, like Lovey for one, they would have kept their job. But Norm was, he was on that seat years ago, maybe three years ago as well. I'd, I'd have to agree with you. Norm, you know, you gotta, you gotta remember what happened at the end of every season, and we just seen it here recently. The Chargers would go on the skid during the middle of the season, and then they would pick it up at the end. You know, those teams that they beat at the beginning, which was normally Kansas City, you know, Denver when they were down, the Raiders who were always down, they would always win those AFC games and it would put them back in the hunt for a wild card in the playoffs. Well, this year didn't work. Yeah, North should have been fired, you know, four years ago. He should have had one year and been out of here. But, you know, he's always had a late, late season run that kept him on the next year. And so now they're finally, you know, they're finally cutting ties, which, you know, it's four years too late. Sirs? Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, you, you guys are hitting it right on the head from, you know, as far as what I can see as well. Uh, Kansas City would, or uh, San Diego would always have a skid in the middle and then try to turn it on toward the end. And, and I don't know what, why that was. Maybe it was a favorable second part of the season um, or – you know, things just started clicking and they got it together, but they never could get over the hump and, and you know, do anything in, in the playoffs. And, and I think that's probably what, what why his uh, demise uh, came about. But he probably should have been gone. I mean, it's happened every year, it seems like, uh, at least for the past two or three years. Yeah, he should have, like you say, 
Let's go to the um, the next team, the Eagles. Uh, the reason why I'm knocking this one, I didn't want to knock it out, but want to make Terry happy. But, you know, I sit back and looked at it, and I looked at the comments that Michael Vick made. I don't know if you guys heard it, but we can talk about it. But, and then I look back and I talk to your friend today, Terry Jay, uh, Eagles fan. I think it's time it really was all because Michael Vick made a comment that some of the players, he wouldn't name them, laid down on him. And I, I look back and I was talking to Jay, and I said, you know what? Um, Andy Reid had all these problems with his son with the drugs and all that, messing up the team and killing himself. His son at training camp with them. And, you know, it was just too many problems. And I think the players probably got tired of it. Then they was losing. And then, you know, I think they did lay down on Michael Vick comments. What do you guys think? Well, I think they laid down on him. I, I, I would hate to think that his personal problems and him trying to be a father to his kids uh, didn't have anything to do with it. I, I would hope that that wasn't the case. Um, I think you've just got some players there that, you know, don't necessarily are, aren't, you know, are there for them. They're not there for anybody else. They're not there for the team. Um, and when you've got, you know, star players and like Michael Vick and people saying that, that players are laying down and they're not putting forth and bringing effort every week like they should, um, there's a problem. But, you know, you as a player, you have to, you've got to stand up and answer for that as well. You know, you, you have a responsibility in that as well to, you know, to help coach up your team as a player. You do. And I don't think that was going on. If Michael Vick and them seen that stuff happening, well, what did they do to try to make it better or, or, or to resolve those issues? Um, so, you know, it's, it's not all the, you know, about it's not, it shouldn't all be on the coach's shoulders. These are grown men making lots of money, and they should have some kind of uh, of respect for themselves to, you know, to want to do the right thing and, and, and pick it up. Hey, I agree, TJ. You know, with the last part, again, again, the coach is only the manager. You know, if you if you lose respect for the manager, you know, or if if you don't feel like you you know you're being held accountable, and and that's what's going on in Philadelphia and some of these teams and that we're talking about, you know what what's the accountability? You know, yeah, regardless of you know the crisis Andy Reid was going on with his family, you know, he still was coming to work every day to do a job. Now, as a grown man, like TJ said, as a grown man, you got to hold yourself accountable. You're getting a paycheck, you know, regardless of what's going on, you're getting a check to do his duty. Now it's on you to perform that duty up to its fullest expectation. And when guys like Vic or whoever, I, I didn't hear these comments, but when guys start coming out, you know, saying things, see, for me, I have a problem with that. And you know why when the ship starts sinking, you know, you've seen it sinking, but you didn't say anything. But now that it's sunk, now you want to come out and talk. You know, when you had a chance to do something to save the ship, you didn't do anything. If you're a leader and if you're a grown man, you should lead in the right direction, not the wrong direction. And it seems like, you know, people always point the finger after the fact, but nobody tries to help during. So that's nor do they want to take responsibility, Club. No, nor do they want to shoulder any responsibility for it. And I think by him coming out saying that, that's exactly what he was doing. Pointing you're absolutely finger. right. I, I agree with that comment right there, TJ. A hundred percent. See, it's always easier to point the finger at others, but not look at yourself in the mirror and say, "Hey, what could I have done different, or what could I have done to help somebody else?" You know, the, the coward thing is always to point somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because cause Michael didn't help the situation either. He kind of hurt because uh, Andy hand picked Michael, you know, out of his trouble to come there, and he didn't help the situation. You know what I'm saying? So Michael didn't step up just as well as the other players, I think. I still think, well, for me personally, and this is me, and I don't mean to, you know, jump back in like this, but for me, I've always thought you have to have your, be able to adjust your offense to your quarterback. And for me, I don't think that Andy Reid ever really adjusted or suited the offense for Michael Vick. He's not, he's not six foot three or six foot four. He's not 200 pounds. You know, I think he was more successful when they moved the pocket on him, when they rolled the pocket. You know, they tried to form a pocket around and have him step up, but he's not big enough to see over people. So, for me, 
unlike you look at RG3 in Washington, you look at that offense, you look at Andrew Luck. You know, it seems like in Philly that Andy Reid never, you know, made the necessary adjustments or put in the right play calling for Michael Vick's talent, nor did he perform the same. Also, I think you hit that right on the butt, Glove, and you just made my week. You said RG3 dominated Dallas. Ain't that what you said? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sure Maybe we got this connection here. I, said I thought Shanahan. that was you said, Glove. No, I said Shanahan adjusted the offense to RG3's ability. In oh, okay. I heard Dallas in there somewhere. No, I thought I thought Dallas was going to win that game. I bet on Dallas. <laughs> hey, love, it wasn't RG3 that dominated. It was a running back that ran for 200 yards that dominated. Hey, Glove, I knew I was going, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm not going. <laughs> hey, love, you know, when we've been through this, as long as we beat you, who cares what happens, all right? We, we don't have any control over the situation. <laughs> so, all right, let me, let me get to the I'm next thing, buddy. buddy. Let me get to the next thing, buddy. There <laughs> 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 well, was a surprising team that I didn't think was coming was, uh, and everybody else, I don't know, just Arizona, you know. Well, you got to look at their head, no, no, no coach, you know. But when we come back, uh, we'll take a break. But then we'll come back, we'll talk about Arizona fire. That coach, they ain't no coach, they ain't no quarterback. But, uh, we'll talk about Arizona and, uh, we got four other teams, the Bills. We got Kansas City and we got, uh, the Browns. So we'll take right back and we'll be back. Glove, I thought you said Dallas got dominated, but we'll be right back. No, the Eagles did. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Do you feel the need for speed? Whatever your addiction, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, or even lawnmower racing, Pit Pass USA has got you covered. Larry Henry here, host of Pit Pass USA. I put my 30-plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster to work to bring you not only the best guests, but also the most interesting guests in racing. Pit Pass USA with Larry Henry. Your front row seat to the world of racing. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be there or get a DNF. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Love. This is James Love. Back to the show. We got TJ. You that T? I'm here, Love. And we got Glove. Glove, you there? Yeah, what up, what up, love? Good. Well, before we go to the next team, are you sure I wasn't hearing anything? You said RG3 ran that, that little dive and around the, oh, on Dallas. But anyway, you sure you didn't say that? I'm, I'm positive. I said the, Marcus Ware looked like he was a rookie, you know, and, and RG3 did a real nice job on that read option, but no, it was just a good defensive day for Washington. That's all it was. Yeah. Are you there, buddy? I mean, Terry, you know I'm here, buddy. <laughs> Are you sure you want to go, buddy? <laughs> hey, 
That glove, you just don't know how it happened. You know I have glove. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, this poor man, he, 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 his happiness is the Dallas don't make it. But, yes, it you know, is. He, he had to pick each and every team that the Cowboys were playing against. That, that, that was his new team. He sold all oh, around the block. I don't get it. <laughs> so, so, TJ, he jumps teams every week, right? Every week, every week. It's good, Jacob. It's good. He needs that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, there's another. They fired that coach in the GL. You know, I think, you know, they were just in the structure. They had no quarterback. Uh, Arizona had a great team in the third division, but they they need a quarterback. They got the receivers. They got the defense. I mean, what is it? You, and they're looking at Andy Reid. What do you guys think? Well, let, let me ask you this. Is it that they have a good team or the division is bad? Well, you got to remember, uh, they started off 4-1, but then the year before that, they wasn't that bad. You know, Terry, so the team is improving. You know, right. what, three years ago they went to the Super Bowl? Was that three years? I mean, the team yeah. is not a bad team. I, you know, the division was bad. You know, the the winner of that division, I think it was last year one with 7-8, and eight, you know, or it was 7-9. and nine. They wanted the, the that was a... You know, so you, you got to look at it. Is it a division or is it a team, you know? Well, and the thing but, about it is, love, is that I think that it, it's a consistency thing. When they played, I think it was a year or two ago, I can't remember, they played the Cowboys, and it was an important game. And they came in, they blocked punts, they ran kickoff back. I mean, they just came out like gangbusters, and they look really good, and then they, they, they don't look so good. So I think it's a consistency thing. I, I don't... You know, I, I don't know that it's either they're that good or their team's that bad or the division's that bad. But they are improving, yeah. I agree with that. You go up. Well, you know what? Part of what TJ said is true. The division is bad. They are improving. You know, see, the one thing you got to take into consideration is injuries and trades. And that's what we don't, you know, you don't never really talk in terms of, you don't never talk in terms of guys that left the team or guys they pick up in trade, or or guys that are injured, that was a you know a key part, you know in their in their system. But but here's my thing, and and I'm gonna hit all these guys that we're talking about being head coaches that got released, and and the problem that that's faced in the NFL is they're not grooming coaches. They keep recycling these same bums over and over. So you go seven and whatever over here at this team. And you get fired, you know, four years later and you just barely got over 500. So now you go to Cleveland and you get a job. And three or four years later, you're 500 again and the franchise haven't went anywhere. And so now you leave Cleveland and now you're in Buffalo. So the NFL has to do a better job at grooming because I'm tired of this conversation. We just named off eight, nine coaches that got fired. Let's put together their win percentage. How many times have they been to the playoffs? How many times have they been over 500? You know, we keep talking about these same franchises that's been in the bottom of the barrel year in and year out. Buffalo, Cleveland, Kansas City. You know, it's like they'll have one good year, they'll drop off. We thought Detroit was going to be good last year. What did they do this year? So it's a matter of front office, coaches they're choosing, accountability from the players, all the above. You said you said two things that I agree with. One is they argue the same coaches. Like, you know, you see the coach, they get fired the head coach job. They're doing an offensive coordinator job or defensive coach job with another team. Then three more years later, they go back to a head coach's job. So they ain't bringing no news, but they're scared to bring in these college coaches because they said they don't have no experience. I mean, who who succeeded? You know, you had uh, Harbaugh for the uh, Niners. He's on one, but he went to a good team. But you bring in these coaches with these bad teams, and then they're doing the same thing. It's recycling the same older coaches, and there's no new coach. But, oh, that coach, you get the job. And the second thing is, too, I was talking to my mom, and God knows she don't talk football, but she was saying, how can you fire a coach when you got these players that's not producing, and then you get rid of the coach? You know what I'm saying? You got these bum players that's not playing, and you don't pay all that money, like for the Eagles or the Eagles or back, or Simon or whatever his name, and all these players bump, and you let the coach go. You know what I'm saying? So what do you guys think? Well, look, real quick, let me get this in real quick, TJ. Sorry. 
But that's my point. Like, for instance, in San Diego, the GM in the last six years, we've got rid of wide receivers, three or four running backs, defensive players, and, and all that off of a team that went to the AFC Championship. So within the next four or five years, we've got rid of integral parts and never rebuilt with better parts. You follow me? The GM kept his job. The head coach kept his job. But the teams went down and the ticket prices went up. So I'm with your mom with what she's saying. You gotta, you gotta give a good product in order to get good results. That man did not have no quarterback, love. If you watch the team, I don't know if you watch the Cardinals. They had no quarterback. They were shifting from Carl to the other the young guy, other guy, and then another, you know. When you have no product out there to win, you gonna take my job? You didn't give me nothing. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, no, I, that's I, why I think, go ahead, love. No, I'm saying, oh, I agree with you totally. When you look at Arizona, Arizona was going in the right directions a few years ago. They had hired a coach, which, you know, they thought was going to take them to the promised land. You know, they went to the Super Bowl. You know, they had key players. And then what happened? Free agency. You know, they started losing guys in free agency. I think the quarterback, they went and got what, uh, Cobb from Philly when him and Michael Vick had the little situation. You know, they drafted a running back. They brought in another receiver to offset Larry Fitzgerald because they let Bolden go to uh, Baltimore, you know. But but my thing is, what I'm trying to say is this. They don't keep putting the product. It's like they get rid of players. You get rid of Bolden in Arizona because you don't want to pay him money. He still goes to Baltimore and has a, a heck of a career. Who's replacing him in Arizona? You know what I'm saying? So you'll get rid of that 80 catch, you know, 80 balls a year catcher and now this guy is performing, catching 30 balls or 20 balls, you know, and, and that's where it stays. But you got to play the GM on that glove because he wants to stay. Remember that? Both of them wants to stay. But they figure, why keep him? But, you know, we got Fitzgerald coming along. You remember that back then when that no, happened? You're, you're absolutely right, but that's my point, love, what I'm saying. In San Diego, the GM kept taking personnel away from North Turner. I'm not a North Turner fan. Don't get me right. I'm not a North Turner fan, and I'm not a, 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 a few of these coaches that got fired fans. I'm just saying the GM, you look at, you look at like a good example. You look at the Jets. They have Tannenbaum in New York. He's a, he's a numbers guy. He's not a financial guy. And I hate to jump to another organization, but you look at these GMs when they're not giving the coaches anything to work with. How do you expect a coach to win when you're handicapping them? You know, who, who doesn't have a problem? You don't ever hear about Belichick in New England having a problem getting players because his GM works with him. You follow me? But it seems like these other mom-and-pop organizations don't give their coaches the personnel needed. You know, why is why is the quarterback in Chicago getting sacked? Because his line isn't up to par. You know, we don't hear about Peyton or hear about Brady or hear about those guys getting sacked because they have their line. I think we lost Terry. Uh... Yeah, I think so. Uh, so you made a good point. point. You made a good point, love it. Uh, and not that you jump, but why did Ryan um, uh, Rex Ryan get fired? I thought he should have been one of the one in there instead of Lovey and you know the other guys that got fired. Why did they keep him? And he won ran his mouth a lot. Last two seasons, we won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Won Super Bowl. Then you had the team with Santana. They had um, Holmes and all that. Why didn't they let him go? Well, because we just answered the question. In, 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 in the eyes of the owner in the Jets, it wasn't Rex Ryan, it was the GM. The GM wasn't putting, you know, putting the product on the field for Rex to work with. So it seems like the coach had more power than the GM did in New York. That's how I see it. You there, Terry? Oh, he's not Hey, you hit you hit a point earlier, and I got to get it in real quick. Hey, hey guys, I'm here. I'm sorry. I, I just got a little busy. I'm sorry. I've been listening a little bit. I apologize. Who got the point? You was? No, yeah. I said I had I had a quick one. You just mentioned Harbaugh. When I was watching the Stanford game last night, and they were talking to Shaw, the commentator said, "Well, you know, at some point we're gonna, we're, you know, Shaw's gonna be tested. We're gonna have to see if it's if it's his job as a coach." Or was it the guys that Harbaugh left behind? And so I'm like, how do you make a comment like that about Harbaugh building a program at Stanford 
when Harbaugh walked into San Francisco and quote unquote inherited the team he has, and yet he's the greatest coach around. Who that reminds you of? Well, Phil John, Phil Jackson, don't it? Phil Jackson, Tony Dungy, uh, John Groove, Knight, the list goes on and on. Well, we got only two more minutes. You want to say something to you? Because you was off. Well, I would want to make a comment about the Rex Ryan. Uh, they're keeping him. Why? I don't know. I think Rex Ryan was, was part of that team, uh, and, and part of the reason why that team was unsuccessful because I didn't think Sanchez was the, was the quarterback for that team. Um, they, they brought the circus in there with people. That was all Rex. Um, they can blame it on the GM. They can blame it on whoever they want to. But, uh, Rex should have lost his job right along with all the rest of them. See, we got a man left. Uh, well, you want to predict Super Bowl? Hey, I'm, I'm keeping, I'm, I'm agree with what TJ said. I think, you know, the ringleader and the Jets should have got fired. And, and I'm going to keep it the same way it's been the whole time. I got New England. I got, um, San Francisco. And I got San Francisco winning still. I don't really want to predict it, but I want to see the Broncos in there. I don't want to see New England in there. Um, and I don't think we can sleep on Green Bay. Uh, I think they're going to get some defense back. Some of these guys are coming back healthy, and I think they're going to gonna give them a run for the money. Well, I got you, Terry. I got Denver because they don't got that home field, and I don't think New England will beat them three times. And then I got to go. I got to change my mind. Well, you made me change my mind. I got to go with the 49 because the way Green Bay played with um, uh, Minnesota, I just think they just got ran all over. I think Frank Gore can do the same thing. Hey, I know one thing. It won't be Dallas and Philly. <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> hey, and on that note, guys, thanks again for the show, and we'll be back next week. Are you sure you're going to say RG3 ran off with Dallas? <laughs> That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com.